1: as myself and others like me have experienced losing fellowship, friendship, and even part in families that have been influenced by William Branham. We've noticed a similar series of words spoken before turning us over to Satan. In an almost programmed series of words spoken before this event, those leaving a cult will hear the words, How can two walk together unless they agree? And they'll hear, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. One recently used the phrase with me, if a clean dog goes around a dog with fleas, it becomes infested. The phrases serve the purpose behind their intention, to offend and to scorn the large group of people that are now realizing that faith in a man will fail, and faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. The scorn and insulting statements are not given with an intention to bring a lost sheep back into the fold. They are intended to cut the legs off the sheep so that it can never return. But this phrase, how can two walk together unless they agree, is an interesting thought. I recently had a pastor travel to meet me from the East Coast and this man had been in the Branham movement for several years and was even a strong force in helping to spread the message with the founding fathers of this religious movement but he did not come to scorn or to insult instead he came to build up his foundation was firmly planted in Jesus Christ the solid rock while he was involved with the Branham movement his focus was never William Branham it was Jesus Christ I found it very refreshing, as we talked about the Scriptures and reasoned out God's Word. There were many things that I learned as he took me through his understanding of the Bible, and many things that I agreed with. But at the same time, there were some things that I disagreed with because of my own study of Scripture. But the difference was this. We had both planted our foundation in Jesus Christ. I suddenly thought about that phrase, how can two walk together unless they agree? And that phrase that followed behind it as so many turned against a person who takes their stand for Christ, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The second phrase comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? This is the Apostle Paul telling us that our fellowship should be established with those who believe in Jesus Christ. If we fellowship with others who are serving other gods, those who have fallen to idolatry, There is no strong bond between the two. Believers of Jesus Christ, Christians, should enjoy fellowshipping with other Christians. Immediately after this verse, Paul says, What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. As we've discussed, sitting here with this man... We discussed in fellowship around God's Word. The thought suddenly struck me. Though we disagree on man's doctrines, we enjoy fellowship because we were both believers, but not believers that you will hear in the sense that is given in the message. We were believers of Jesus Christ. We had a common bond that was stronger than the blood of a man, woven together by the blood of Christ. I then felt compassion towards those that had severed bonds with us. The words that they spoke as they broke their bonds of friendship or even family ties were accurate. A follower of Christ cannot be yoked together with a follower of something else. To follow anyone besides Christ is to lift that person up equal to or above Christ, an idol. A Christian cannot be yoked together with a person serving an idol. While given as an insult by man, this could even be considered to be given as protection by God. But again, the interesting words spoken when a follower of Branham separates himself or herself from a follower of Christ are how can two walk together unless they agree? Out of all of the tribes of the earth, God chose the children of Israel to be his people. Ezekiel 16 describes how God lifted her out of her fallen condition, cleaned her, clothed her, and claimed her for his own. But in that same chapter, the word of the Lord that came to Ezekiel said that she was the mother of harlots. She committed adultery with surrounding nations by joining herself into pagan worship. And she did so by her own free will. God said that while prostitutes of this earth give themselves up for money, the children of Israel paid her lovers to commit adultery with her. And Amos 3 is another prophecy against Israel. It isn't a prophecy by the standards of the message, focusing on some fantastic future event or a hunting trip. Like most of the prophecies in the Bible, this is the word of the Lord describing a fallen condition of the past and present, along with the future punishment for disobeying God. Once again, they had yoked themselves with unbelievers. Verses 1 and 2 tell us the target of this prophecy, which was pointed at God's children, not those who had left. Amos 3, verses 1-2 through 2 says, Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquities. That's Amos 3, verses 1-2. through 2. But then after telling us that this prophecy was against Israel, for her idolatry, God speaks these familiar words asking the question, Can two walk together unless they be agreed? That's Amos 3.3. It is interesting because while the King James Version translation fits within context, the actual translation of this chapter goes even deeper into what God is telling his people. The word immediately before is rock, R-A-Q, which is Strong's 7535. It's a a conjunction between verses 2 and verse 3. In English, we would translate this word as but. And this word is missing from the King James Version of the Bible. There is no tie between the second verse and the third verse. Notice that because this word is missing, it does not imply mistranslation. The translation flows as it is, and it conveys the same meaning. The children of Israel were not walking together with God. But the meaning of the verse is much, much deeper. The last few words of Amos 1 uh, verse 2 are, Therefore, I will punish you for all of your iniquities. But remember, while we serve a God of justice we also serve a God of love. God abhors idolatry, lifting anything equal to or above himself, from idols of stone to men who pretend to be prophets. But if we turn back towards righteousness, God is patient with us. He will forgive us. All we need to do is ask. Verse 3, literally translated, contains the following words. Have made... Lo, unless together, the number two, and walk. It does not contain any word that can be translated to agreed. And the first word in verse four is locked, L A K A D, which is Strong's 3920. And this literally translated to be has captured. If you snip out that single verse, how can two walk together? you miss the point that God is making with the children. This was not intended to give instruction for Israel to have the power of excommunication with insult. God was literally telling the children of Israel that unless they started to walk with God, bad things were going to happen. Again, a thought of compassion comes when you consider the reason that this insult is thrown. As I take my stand upon God's word, and God's word alone, these poor souls have taken their stand on Branham's word. They have lifted up a man into a position that is equal to God. And consider any who no longer follow William Branham to be lost and unbelieving. They no longer believe in Branham, so they're excommunicated. And yet, this is the very thing that God is telling the children of Israel. You have believed something else besides me. Unless you start walking with me, I will punish you. The very next few verses are interesting analogies. When you consider the, the children of Israel, they had lifted up something else equal to God, and this was a trap designed by Satan. They were ensnared into idolatry, and God was angry. The next four verses describe the reason that God was crying out against them, and tells them that God is just for doing so. Amos 3 verses 4-7, through God asks, Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Does a young lion cry out from his den if he has taken nothing? Does a bird fall into a snare on the earth when there is no trap for it? Does a snare spring up from the ground when it has taken nothing? Is a trumpet blown in the city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants the prophets. James 3, verses 4 through 7. That last verse, verse 7, is also interesting. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing His secret to His servants, the prophets. Under cult theology, followers are trained to believe that only one single prophet was sent for an age, which paves the way for the leader to proclaim that they are the prophet for the age. But in the days of the Old Testament, this was not the case. There were multiple prophets actively prophesying at the same time, some of which who are recorded and some of which who are not. But if you consider the fallen condition of Israel, lifting up objects of worship into a place of God, someone has to cry out. God is able to make a donkey prophesy. None can withhold when God wants to speak. Not just Amos. If Amos did not speak, someone else would. Verses 8-9 through says, The lion has roared. Who will but fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Prophesy in the strongholds of Ashdod, and the strongholds in the land of Egypt, and say, Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria, and see the great tumults within her and the oppressed in her midst. James 3, verses 8 through 9. I look at the many who have now taken their stand for God's word. They will no longer lift up a man into worship. They will no longer take that man's word over the word of God. They will no longer serve an idol. And yet many of them cannot withhold their condemnation of the idolatry. Many try to exit quietly, but after reading God's word for themselves, they just can't hold it in. They become mouthpieces standing firmly against idolatry. Luke 16.16 says that the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But the Apostle Paul tells us that he wishes that all had the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.5 says, Now I want all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. When you sit back and watch a quiet otherwise unnoticed person, start reading God's Word and then suddenly becoming very vocal. It's difficult not to wonder how much of what they say comes from themselves and how much comes directly from God. Two can walk together if they agree, but that agreement must be a walk in Christ, not a walk with man. And if that agreement is in man and not in Christ, then the agreement is with an idol, and a Christian cannot walk with an idolater. Either the idolater will turn to Christ, or the Christian will be distracted and fall to idolatry, or both will part ways. There is no way for a person walking with Christ to walk with an idol. My hope and prayer is that many in the following of William Branham can start walking with those who are now walking with Christ. It's time to set aside every single thing that we place before God and start serving God alone in spirit and in truth.